I want you to open up to Jeremiah chapter 3. This word I'm going to share this morning, it may be, may seem like it's coming from nowhere, but I really feel like the Lord is doing something behind the scenes more than what we can see. Um, I believe he wants to breathe on this specific topic that I'm going to share on. I think he's already doing it now, but I just want to highlight it even more. I want to preach a message, and I think this is actually going to last a couple of weeks. I was talking to Dave, and he said it was fine with that if I take one of his Sunday, upcoming Sundays. But I want to, to preach a couple of messages called the shepherd's anointing. The shepherd's anointing. So here at Heart of the Father, our unique journey, we probably know more about apostles and prophets, or apostles maybe, but prophets and, and the teaching ministry probably more than the other ones. I could think of my time here at Heart of the Father. I don't know if I've ever heard a message on the shepherd's anointing. Maybe some of you had, but I feel like we're going to maybe backtrack a little bit, and I want to lay some foundation for what this looks like. Um, this is extremely important uh, to my heart, but also more than that, it's extremely important to the Father's heart, that we would be a church, not just a prophetic church, not just a church that teaches the word or evangelizes, but we would be a church that carries a shepherd's anointing. Amen? Do you guys want the fullness of what the Lord wants for us or just a couple of them? Do, you, do we just want to be a prophetic church and that's it? Because if that's it, that's not going to be enough. I'm sorry. It's not. What's interesting about shepherds, it seems like in the Old Testament, the prophets talk more about shepherds than any other thing. And usually in church world, you know, prophets and shepherds don't get along for whatever reason, mostly from immaturity. But we're going to look and see what the word has to say about this. There's some really strong language. I want to, you know, let you guys know I'm coming in hot this morning. There's some strong, there's some strong language from the word concerning shepherds. This is not my words. It's his words. And so I'm going to lay him out there. Um, we're going to talk about some stuff that may be a little, not necessarily super positive, but um, like I said, we're going to go two parts in this. So to this morning, I kind of want to give just a, maybe an overview more so, and then in two weeks, um, we'll try to go a little bit deeper. But Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for what you're doing here at Heart of the Father. God, we ask for fullness. Jesus, we want the fullness of your person, that you are the apostle, you are the prophet, you are the teacher, you are the evangelist, you are the shepherd. Would you come and shepherd your people? Would you show us who you are at your heart? Would you speak to us? Holy Spirit, teach us. You're the teacher. Come and teach the word this morning. Our hearts are open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay, so Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 14 Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I'll bring you to Zion. Verse 15, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. 
The Lord is saying, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Go to chapter 23. Verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered the flock, you have driven them away and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doings, says the Lord. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. Okay, are you part of the remnant this morning? Are you a part of the remnant this morning? Okay, good. What's he going to do next? Verse 4. I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. So there's a picture being painted. The people of Israel are sheep scattered. They're wandering. They're hungry. They're homeless. They're poor. They're defenseless. They're broken. And the Lord says, hey, here's my solution. I'm going to raise up shepherds to put in the midst of the body the sheep, they're going to be sheep themselves, but they're going to be leading sheep, and they're going to bring the body back together. They're going to lead my sheep. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9. We're familiar with this verse. Most of the time we hear it as an evangelistic plot, and that's good. But there's a stronger context to Matthew 9, verse 35. Look at what he says here. Then Jesus, Matthew 9, chapter 35, went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. Why is that? Because they were weary or harassed or scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So Jesus comes on the scene to the people of Israel. He sees the same dilemma that was happening in Jeremiah's days. Still a bunch of sheep, they're scattered, there's no shepherd. Here he is. And what's the next verse? Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers, or you could probably say the shepherds, are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So this isn't just for fivefold shepherds. This is for the body. The body should be a shepherding people who reach out for the lost, who reach out for those who are part of the body, who are scattered, who are broken, their life's a hot mess, and you jump in there in the middle of it. That's laborious work. Okay, some of you are still looking at me kind of confused here, so here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to 
mention, actually I got eight, eight misconceptions and false stigmas about shepherds. Okay? Now, when I say shepherds, you could say, Brown, are you meaning pastors? Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking in the biblical sense here. So I'm using, I like the word shepherd better. Pastor is just the Latin version of the real interpretation here. But look, seven misconceptions and false stigmas of shepherds. You guys ready? These may be too long for you to write down, but maybe just catch what I'm saying. And these things here, they necessarily aren't said publicly, but you can feel it. And you probably have this in your mind a little bit, wondering like, oh, yeah, I wonder about this or that. Number one, shepherds are only concerned about the practical things of life. They are mostly ignorant of spiritual realities. Number two, shepherds are best suited to be doormats and garbage cans for people to walk on and dump all their problems on. Coming in hot, y'all. I told y'all. Number three, shepherds are the least Christ-centered ministry of the fivefold. That's because they're strictly people-centered. Guys, these are all false. Y'all disagree with me? If so, then let me see a scripture. Show me one scripture where it talks about these things. Number four, this one. Shepherds are typically the weakest and least important of the fivefold ministry. They can't make it without apostles and prophets, but apostles and prophets can make it without them. I'm telling you, we don't say this, but everyone thinks it. And y'all are kind of like, uh-huh. We all think this. Guys, this is false. This dishonors the Lord. Because he is the great shepherd. Number five, shepherds are mostly good at babysitting and pampering believers until more anointed ministers can come and save the day. All right, so I'm just babysitting y'all, just going to pamper you and give you little cute kisses and cuddles. And, you know, hopefully you'll, you'll endure until someone else better comes. Number six, <clears throat> And just so you know, I got, probably should have said this. I don't have any issues with any, any apostles and prophets or whatsoever. I really prayed, and, Lord, and I prayed, Lord, I want a clean and pure heart before, before you and before your people. But I feel like this stuff is true. I'm just being honest with you guys. Number six, shepherds don't like, nor can they handle moves of the Spirit. It's because they're insecure control freaks. Number seven, shepherds are a jack of all trades and a master of none. Number eight, too much shepherding in the church will cause believers to become lazy, lethargic, helpless, and defenseless. You'll never be able to reach your potential if you hang with the shepherds for too long. Man, y'all are quiet. Is, is, that, is it me? Or is, is some of this stuff out there? It's out there. It's real. So a question, and I mentioned it earlier, if this is true, then what 
are we saying about Jesus as the good shepherd, as the great shepherd, as the chief shepherd? If we think this about his under shepherds, then we probably have a very low view of him as the shepherd. Therefore, your life looks like this. Because you have no room in your heart for Jesus to come as the shepherd and to establish some, some healthiness into your life. You want all the other ministries in your life except the one you need the most. Okay, also, if this, is, if this statement is true, if these eight things I mentioned, if they're true, then why does Jesus primarily refer to himself as a shepherd. Not once in the Gospels does he ever call himself an apostle. He never calls himself a prophet. He never calls himself an evangelist. The disciples identify him as a teacher. Are you tracking with me? He only identifies himself as the shepherd, the good one. Why is that? Brother named Chris Johnson, he says this, Jesus does acknowledge his disciples' recognition of him as Lord and teacher, but Jesus himself never directly calls himself the apostle, prophet, evangelist. The one and only ministry by which he actually identifies himself and then elaborates upon is as the good shepherd. Why is that? This writer would suggest to you that Jesus presented himself as such because shepherding the flock is the comprehensive, all-encompassing responsibility and function of all ministry. Shepherding comprises the very heart of all the ministries of Jesus because it best exemplifies the simple reality that God cares for, feeds, leads, and protects his people. In other words, if you claim you are a five-fold minister, whatever, whatever, and you have no heart to shepherd the people, you are disqualified. It doesn't work that way. And it's not because, like, you, you, you can't shepherd. One brother says it's because you won't shepherd. And as, even as we're moving into house meetings, I'm seeing on a lot of you, like, there's a shepherding heart on you. There's a grace on your life to shepherd. And it's happening naturally. That's good. That's help. That shows me, oh, this one's safe. They actually care about the people. Sometimes we may get like a random person who will come into the church, never been here before, and, and they, they want the mic or they have some prophetic word. And most of the time it's going to be a no. And the reason why is because they don't care about you. They don't. I mean, how would you feel if someone came into your house, tried to just start just telling you what to do and controlling you, but they didn't care about you? Would you accept that at your home? Can everybody go like this? No, you wouldn't. So why would we do that in the house of the Lord? So the Lord wants shepherds in his church so that when people, hirelings, false shepherds, thieves, robbers, when they come in, like, huh, you actually really don't care about the Lord's people. Not getting the mic. But then we're labeled controlling, etc. And that's false, guys. That's not true. <clears throat> so what distinguishes the shepherd 
from the other fivefold ministries? What fuels the shepherd? Here's what fuels the shepherd. Very simple. It's not the people, right? I understand shepherds have a heart for people. That's not what fuels the shepherd. What fuels the shepherd is God's heart. Shepherds should be so connected to the heart of God and they get lost in God's heart that from right in that place, they find the people. They're so in love with God's heart for his people. They're lost in God's heart. They're divinely connected to God's heart. That's what fuels a true, a real shepherd. It's not necessarily the people. It's God's heart. That's why he said in Jeremiah 3, I'll give you shepherds according to what? According to my heart. It's his heart for his people. That's what fuels a shepherd. And then there's several functions of a shepherd that come from that place when they're so connected with God's heart in a divine way that fuels them. In one sense, you know, evangelists, they'll carry the message of the gospel. You know, a prophet will speak what the Holy Spirit is saying. But a shepherd, he will share and release God's heart to his people. So as I was searching the scriptures this past week about shepherds, you'll see quickly Moses in Isaiah 63 talks about Moses was a shepherd. Numbers 27 talks about Joshua was a shepherd. David was a shepherd before he was a king. In Jeremiah 17, Jeremiah himself even calls himself a shepherd. I was wondering, like, well, why, why would Jeremiah, he's a prophet, everyone knows that. But it seemed like in one sense, there was so much judgment coming towards the prophet, the false prophets, that Jeremiah's like, get me out of that camp, I'll be a shepherd, Lord. <laughs> like, I, I'm not going to come under that judgment. But Jeremiah does that. Peter, the apostle, what did the Lord say to him at the end of his life? Feed my sheep, tend my lambs. So it's extremely important for you to have a deep understanding of Jesus as the shepherd. One of the primary reasons why I want to say that is because Jesus and his leadership style will primarily be displayed in him being a shepherd over his people. That's one of the primary dynamics of his leadership is that he is a shepherd. He leads his people that way. When it comes down to it, in the end times, we're sheep. We don't have all this power. We don't have all this, this great thing about us. It, more than anything, I want to be found as a sheep under his covering. If I think I got all this power and strength on my own, Lord, I got it. Let me do this. I'm wrong. Here's, what, here's some scripture that talks about the Lord being a shepherd, Isaiah 40 prophesies, Behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. And he'll gently lead those who are with young. 
Micah, in chapter 5, prophesies, He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For, he, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one there shall be peace. Matthew chapter 2 but says, But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Revelation 7. You guys ever read this scripture before? Revelation 7, <clears throat> verse 15. All the nations, tribes, and peoples, they're standing before the throne. And it says this, Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor, nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. That's powerful. Think about every tribe, nation, and tongue before the throne, and you see this lamb who steps out of nowhere and begins shepherding the people still around the things of God. Feeding, teaching, protecting, doing all the things a shepherd would do. He does it even around his throne. So this isn't just some identity that he wore for a couple of weeks and he puts off when he goes to heaven. That's at his very core. Going to Revelation 19, he's coming back riding on a white horse. And it says, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. <clears throat> okay, Brandon, that word didn't, that scripture didn't say the word shepherd. Well, the word rule in there, he, he himself will rule them with a rod and of iron. That's the same Greek word as shepherd. He's coming back on a white horse. And he's going to shepherd the nations with a rod of iron. Once again, that's who he is at his core. One commentator said this about these two passages. <clears throat> the word shepherd in uh, chapter 7 is the same Greek word. Rule in chapter 19, this word means to tend or lead to pasture. But in these verses, it pictures the shepherd's action against praying beast. The shepherding activity of the lamb is of a radically different sort. He is to rule or shepherd the nations with a rod of, with an iron rod. The lamb as the heavenly shepherd leads his flock to the wellspring of life and wipes away the last trace of earthly sorrow. As God has led in the past, so he will lead in the future. So as I'm painting a picture, a biblical picture of Jesus as the shepherd, it makes me wonder, who is this man? Because my view of shepherd is that they're just weak and they tend to be a doormat. Remember all those false perceptions I just mentioned earlier, the eight of them? And then Jesus steps on the scene as the great shepherd. I mean, it's kind of like the whole Avengers movie, right? You got Thanos and all these crazy guys, and then you got this shepherd who walks on the scene with the staff. And everyone's like, oh, 
what's this guy doing? Like, he's going to get destroyed. And out of his mouth, he just begins to speak the word and destroys all of his enemies. This is who the great shepherd is. Do you know him? Do you even want to know him as the shepherd? So here, here's the final point I'll make before I move on to something else. <clears throat> if you never knew Jesus as the apostle, as the prophet, as the evangelist, or the teacher, but you only knew him as the good shepherd, it would still be enough for you to follow him and to endure to the end. I know that's a strong statement. If you only knew him as the shepherd, that would still be enough for you to follow him and for you to endure to the end. I'll back it up. John 10, verse 27. Jesus said, John 10 is the whole chapter about him being a shepherd and us being sheep. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. So you think this shepherd is weak. He plants a church right in the middle of hell and looks at Satan and says, you're not going to snatch a single sheep out of my hand. That's who he is. That's what he does. <clears throat> so in a couple of weeks, um, I want to talk about the functions and the anointing of a shepherd. That'll be next week. But today, I want to talk about there's 10 characteristics of irresponsible or hireling shepherds I want to talk about. Okay, I want to deal with the bad before we get to the good. Can you guys, can you guys bear with me? <clears throat> I think this is really important because if you, if you are one of these, if you, are, if you are functioning in some of these descriptions on a consistent basis, then honestly, we're going to confront you. Okay, the Lord's not happy with false shepherds, with hirelings in his body. And honestly, as... We're all sheep in here. We shouldn't put up with it. Like, why do we put up with that stuff? Are you guys with me? Um, come on, let's, we're going to mature. We're going to grow up today a little bit more. But I want to encourage you guys, let's not put up with false stuff in his house. It doesn't have to be just the leaders who don't like that. How about you don't like that? Okay. Now, I will say this, just because maybe you have one of these tendencies doesn't mean you're a false shepherd and you're a hireling, you know, whatever. I mean, we, 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 we stumble, we, we, we mess up, and we kind of function and maybe flow in these things in a very small way. But if this is, like, consistent and this is, like, you do this all the time kind of stuff, then, yeah, we'll definitely need to have a talk with you. <laughs> okay, so turn with me to Ezekiel 34. If you want to know why Jesus is pretty stern with the Pharisees in the Gospels, it's because of Ezekiel 34. Jesus is not playing about his people. Don't mess with God's people. So in Ezekiel 34, we're just going to draw five quick 
characteristics of irresponsible shepherds. So look at verse 1. And the word of God came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. Verse 7, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more for I will deliver my flock from their mouths that they, should no, that they may no longer be food for them. That's extremely strong language. When the Lord called me to the ministry, Ezekiel 34 was huge to me. It's real. That what the Lord tells me to tell you, I don't get to tell God, no, God, I don't want to tell them that. I'll tell them what I want to tell them. No, no, it doesn't work that way. This right here paints a little picture, once again, why Jesus comes on the scene in the Gospels and the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, all the religious leaders, he came in extremely hot, hotter than me this morning. He was not playing with them. <clears throat> Five characteristics of irresponsible shepherds. Number one, they take, withhold, and keep for themselves that which belongs to the sheep. They take, they withhold, they keep for themselves that which belongs to the sheep. Verses 1 and 3 are talking about that. Should not the shepherds be feeding? God is thinking, didn't I? I gave them grace. I gave them an honored position of leadership over my people. And I told them I would give them food and they would give that food to my sheep. But what are they doing? They're hoarding everything. And not only are they hoarding what I'm giving them, they're going in the midst of the body and taking your money, taking your dignity, your honor, taking everything from you and just hoarding it over in this back closet. And the Lord's like, I see it so plainly. Part of the issue too is, oh, that my sheep would wake up. 
I'm not going to read it, but go read verses 17 through 24. He has a word for the sheep. Wake up. Don't let them do that. Remind them. Remind the shepherds they're sheep too. They're going to appear before the chief shepherd. So they take. They withhold. They keep for themselves. Number two, they neglect ministering to the flock. He says, shouldn't you have bound up the wounds? Shouldn't you have healed the sick? Shouldn't you have strengthened the weak? Shepherds should be strengthening and ministering to the flock. But a false shepherd, he doesn't do that. Why? Because he ain't got time for you. He ain't got time for that. I'm on the golf course. I, I play golf, y'all, all right? I'm jamming on myself. Right? When I first got in ministry, I remember this was real. I was a youth pastor and a young adult pastor. And, you know, I'm working hard all week trying to feed the sheep, you know, doing my thing. And it got to, like, Friday, Saturday, and I was like, where my, I was like, my phone, like, silence. I'm not doing, I'm not available for anyone at all. That's me time. And honestly, it was so extreme that I didn't even have time for the Lord. I cut him out too. <laughs> like everybody in the church. <laughs> Get out of here. I got time for y'all. And the Lord, he, he corrected me on that. He's like, Brandon, didn't I give you grace? Not Allison Grace. Grace. And Josie Grace, too. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, you did. And he's like, well, then you just need to be available. He's like, I'm not asking that you go and search out everyone on the weekend and just get all in their business. He's like, no, no, I'm not talking about that. Be available. That's all. Be available to minister. If you don't feel the fire of God on you, Brandon, on the weekend, that's okay. You can still minister. Ministering to people is, doesn't mean you need to be in, under the fire and the anointing of God like 24-7. I'm telling you, some of the, and you guys know this, some of the most powerful times are when you felt the least anointed. You felt like nothing was happening. And all of a sudden, they're like demons coming out and God spoke and like all this crazy stuff. Just be available. Right? But hirelings and false shepherds, irresponsible shepherds, they're not available. Number three. False shepherds, they neglect watching over the flock. In verse 4, he says that you did not bring back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. <clears throat> so the shepherds are sleeping. Notice those phrases, they didn't search for what was driven away. In other words, somebody was in the midst of, the enemy, driving people away from the flock. Or maybe it was false teachers in the body drawing away the disciples to themselves. And what do the shepherds do? They're sleeping. They're not awake. And some of the sheep just happen to get lost. They're just a little immature. They're kind of wandering around. They just get lost. And what do the shepherds do? They're sleeping. They're not pursuing they're not going out, they're not giving you a phone call. Hey, you've just been on my heart this week, or how are you? Are you doing okay? Let's talk about how you're really doing. 
Shepherds will like, they like to pry a little bit. They'll get up in your business. But that's what, that's what they do. But irresponsible shepherds, they don't care. They'll neglect watching over the flock. Number four, false shepherds, they rule over the flock with force and cruelty. That word rule is extremely important. Leaders should not be ruling over the people. They should not be domineering the people. Peter, in 1 Peter 5, he's talking to the fellow elders, and he says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. He didn't say, shepherd the flock of which you are over. You're just so elevated and just so anointed, so just high and lifted up. When you get a chance, look down there and see how they're doing. He's like, no, shepherd, be among them. Be among the people. They don't, they won't hurt you. It's okay. Be among them. But these shepherds were ruling over the people. And not just ruling them, they were cruel and they were forceful. They were controlling and they were oppressing. And number five, they tolerate division, dissension, and disagreements. These irresponsible shepherds, they tolerate division, dissension, and disagreements. Now, I know I use that word disagreement. So you're saying, Brennan, so we can't disagree? Yeah, we can disagree. But if disagreement leads to individualism, leads to isolation, that's not okay. If your disagreement with me or with whomever leads you to isolating yourself, cutting them off, you go in your room, they go in their room, that is not okay. Verse 6, verse 5 and 6, it says, so they were scattered. That word scattered is in this passage three, three or four times. They were scattered because there was no shepherd. In verse 6, my sheep wandered through all the mountains. In other words, there's division, there's dissension, there's all this disagreement. And what are the shepherds doing? They're just hiding. Unconcerned. They don't really care. Just pay your tithe. Keep coming. I'm okay with it if you're okay with it. But here's the thing. The chief shepherd's not okay with that. <clears throat> okay, we're going to... Look at five characteristics out of John 10. But before you do that, while you're on your way to John 10, I want you to stop by Luke 12. Okay? Just take a little detour. This passage right here has really, really marked me as well. And you're going to think, and this maybe give you some insight into why Jesus says some of these things in Luke 12. It's because of Ezekiel 34. Luke 12, verse 42. This passage, guys, this passage is crazy. <clears throat> Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? What's that sound like to you? Sounds like the shepherding, right? Giving food in due season at the right time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. Praise God. 
It's awesome. That's what we want, right? We want shepherds in the body who are faithful, who give portions of food in due season. But, verse 45, if that servant says in his heart, right, you say this in, you may not say this out loud, but you'll say it in your heart. My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk. Doesn't that sound like irresponsible shepherds? Look what the Lord says. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Did he just say he'll cut him in two? Does your Bible say that? Why is Jesus so serious? It's not that big a deal. Take it easy. No, no, the Lord's not okay with that. He said he'll cut, him, cut you in two. If you claim to be a shepherd or a leader and you're stealing and you're robbing God's people, that's serious business. And he goes on to say, verse 30, 47, and that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask all the more. If you have a lot of ambition to be a leader in the midst of God's people, you need to grab hold of this passage. That's going to put some healthy fear of the Lord in you. Told y'all we coming in hot. The Lord's work's coming in hot. He's not playing. Okay, let's look at John 10 quickly. Five characteristics of hirelings. Okay, John 10. Hirelings, they're also called thieves. Or robbers. Verse 1. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, who, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Verse 7, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling or a hired hand, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. The first characteristic of a hireling is they act like they own the sheep. Verse 12, but a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep. A hireling puts off this strong mantra of that, like, I'm, I know what I'm doing here. I got control of this. I own you guys. But if they really knew the Lord, they would realize you belong to him. If they were truly connected with God's heart as a shepherd, they would see that, like, when I spend time with the Father and I look into his heart, like, I see your faces. I see you in his heart. So you don't belong to me. But instead they act like they own you guys. Only the, can I tell you, only the Lord owns you. You belong to him. All right, and as long as you're here, you belong to us as well. You're stuck with us. All right? But Peter said in 1 Peter 5, he said, don't, don't be lords over those entrusted to you. Be examples. Shepherds are examples of Christ. You want to talk about Christ, being Christ-centered, shepherds should display Christ-likeness more than ever. They're examples to you. You, need, you want to learn how to follow Christ, you should find a couple of shepherds and they should show you the way. They should point you to the great shepherd. The second thing, second characteristic of a hireling, they flee when danger is coming. You guys, we just read it. They see the wolf coming and they leave and they flee. In other words, they're non-confrontational. They avoid conflict. They avoid confrontation. It's not that shepherds should love that stuff, but if leaders are always avoiding confrontation, if they're always avoiding the hard stuff, that's not a good leader. I mean, I didn't sign up for half the stuff I have to do, but I'm like, Lord, you, you, I, you, you suckered me into this, God. I guess I got to. But you know what? I do it because there's a fear of the Lord in me. And I want to participate in helping presenting you perfect and mature in Christ. And be like, Lord, look what you did through a knucklehead like me. That's Barry's term. With a knucklehead like that. And just, Lord, you, you worked it all together. And here we are standing before you, mature. But shepherds flee. So can I encourage you next time there's conflict with a brother or sister, or you see someone younger in their walk with Jesus, I'm going to pray the shepherd's anointing just hits you. And you just get in there, confront and love, you get involved. Don't just wait back and say, oh, somebody else will take care. The pastors will take care of it. No, this is why I'm, I'm, I'm teaching this stuff to pray that God will release anointing over you to do it. Yeah. Right? We want to be mature in Christ. Yes. Maybe some of us. Okay, we're getting there. That's all right. <laughs> okay, number three. These hirelings, they're in it for personal gain. Jesus literally says, 
the hireling flees in verse 13 because he's a hireling. It means he's a hired hand. He gets paid to do it. They're in it for the personal gain. If you stop paying them, they're gone. If, you, if they can't take from you anymore, then you're out of their life. I'm done with you. You won't give me your goods. That's what hirelings do. They're in it for the money. They're in it for the attention. They're in it for the control. Number four, the hirelings, they don't care about the sheep. That same verse, he says the hireling, they don't care. He does not care about the sheep. This one probably hurts the most. When you have leaders in your life, you're going through something pretty challenging, and you call upon someone you trusted as a shepherd, as a leader, and maybe they say some things or they do some things, and you realize, man, they actually really don't care. Now, I'm not talking about you called them and they didn't answer one phone call. <laughs> Give, cut them a break, okay? All right? They may have been out there golfing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but shepherds should care. That's the one thing that I think shepherds should be pretty good at. Because they're so connected with God's heart and because God cares, therefore they care. Some of you may be in here thinking, I'm never giving anyone, a leader, a shepherd, whatever, Brandon. They're not getting access to my heart again because I've been hurt by them. Can I, can I ask you to give us, give this body another chance? Give us a chance. And if you still think we don't care, then okay, that's okay. Good thing is the Father always cares. <clears throat> Number five, hireling, they're unwilling to lay down their life for the sheep. Verse 11, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In verse 15, he says, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I mean, that literally means shepherds should be willing to die. Not just spiritually, you know how we say I'm being crucified with Christ. Not, not that. I'm talking about dying, like for real. Giving up all of their life for the sheep. Some of you may be thinking like, Brent, is that really worth it? If the Lord's called me to be a shepherd, is that worth it? Can I tell you, yes, it is. Jesus said he lays down his life even for his friends. That's the greatest display of love. That pleases the Father more than anything that you laid down your life for a brother or sister. You, you, you pressed aside any ambition, any money, any gain you could have gotten, and you just lost everything and poured it out on someone else's life. That's a trusted shepherd. It's a trusted servant. Okay. So in a couple weeks... I'm going to get into the functions, the anointing of a shepherd. Today was mostly highlighting the negatives. Okay, so a couple of takeaways for you. <clears throat> All right, don't go pointing your finger at someone who shows one of, the, one of these tendencies. 
Don't do it, okay? I'll encourage you though, build a relationship with them. Get to know them, ask them questions. Like, why did you say that? Why did you do that? I'm curious, okay? Number two, another takeaway, as sheep, don't put up with false shepherds or hirelings. Stop doing that. Don't put up with them. Build relationship and make sure you're right and you're accurate. Don't come out just accusing, but don't put up with that stuff. You listen to people on podcasts, you listen to people on YouTube, all that stuff out there. Don't put up with that kind of stuff. That's garbage. That's not healthy for you. Put that aside. And number three, how can, how can we end this message on a positive? In Jeremiah 3, the Lord says he's raising up shepherds that are going to be in the remnant, and they're going to shepherd according to his heart. And they're going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. So instead of walking around all skeptical and all like, uh, no, we're going to give each other a chance we're going to ask the Father to release a shepherding anointing on all of us. And it would be according to his heart. It would be according to love. That's priority in God's kingdom, love. Love hopes all things, believes all things, endures all things. So stand with me for a moment. Okay, so I wanted to do this. I wanted to, <clears throat> um, I guess maybe you can come in and play just a little bit. I wanted to call forth down to the front those who feel like when you think about the fivefold ministry, you think about, you think about, yeah, you think about the fivefold ministry, you sense or you feel in your heart that there is this a, a connection to shepherds, that you feel like the Lord has released a grace on your life for shepherding. He's releasing anointing on your life for this. I want you to begin to make your way down forward. In one sense, we all should be running down, but I don't want that make, make it super, super general. But there's apostles, there's prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, but I want to highlight shepherds, those who feel like that anointing, that grace is on your life. Doesn't mean you're gonna you know, shepherd a church anything like that, but it could mean just for right now in this moment, it just means you feel that drawing. That, that's, I feel like that's part of my DNA. That's at my core. Okay, body. So are we willing to give these folks up here a chance? Can you pray with me that the Lord would, would increase an anointing on their life for shepherding, for caring, for loving, for feeding the flock? I just want to take 10 minutes or so, not too long. But let's just begin to pray that God would release an anointing on their life for this, that God would call them deeper, would draw them a little bit closer in order to do this. And if you want to come and lay your hands on them, I want you to stand behind them and you can lay your hands on their shoulder and just begin to pray for them. That God would raise up shepherds and send them into the body. 
that God, you would fill them with your heart and with your passion. God, you would cause them to be safe people. You would cause them to be people of peace and rest. Father, that you would feed them yourself and that they would feed others from the place of overflow. God, cause their lives to overflow. Father, I thank you for healthy shepherds. God, we ask you here at Heart of the Father for healthy shepherds to begin to arise, to come forth into their place and position. They would help lead the flock. They would be among the flock. They would endure with the flock.